Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello and welcome to the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. This is Casey McLean and I'm taking this podcast back to my podcasting roots. I am drinking a 19.2 ounce can of the Hop Valley Brewing uh, Kraken Stash IPA. When I, I used to have a podcast many years ago and we would drink like a new IPA basically every every uh, podcast. At the beginning, it was like, let's make this like a segment. This will be fun. And then by the end, it was like, let's, let's, uh, this is what we need to do to enjoy each other's company. I remember that, that, uh, that podcast, there was a guy that we brought in because he was just like such a funny fan of the podcast and he became the co-host. This is my, uh, if you're, if you're not aware Actually, there might be nobody left that listens to this podcast that listened. It's it's long gone, by the way. You can't find it. I still have some of the old episodes recorded, but uh, it's called the Off Speed Podcast. And if um, that was the po- that's the podcast I'm referring to. Anyway, he was sober, and I remember one time the uh, co-host went to brunch with his family, and. The so sober co-host, not sober co-host. The not sober co-host went to brunch with his family. And he came back smelling like he bathed in mimosas. And I remember, I was like, I, I think you had. He's like, I had one mimosa. And I was like, I think you had more than that. And he was lying the whole time so that the guy that was sober wouldn't judge him. Which to me seems like that's pretty alcoholic behavior. To be honest with you, <laughs> to be like, I'm worried about the sober guy. Um confronting me about this problem that I have. I just got back from Lincoln City, Oregon. And it was a very good trip. I wouldn't say that like it's tough. I was hosting. I haven't hosted a I actually haven't hosted anything outside of uh, airport tavern shows which you can come see every Wednesday at 8 p.m. airport tavern. But that's a different kind of hosting. That's a lot looser. I haven't hosted like a proper comedy show with like high stakes since February, which is when um, my home club, the Tacoma Comedy Club reopened and I hosted eight shows for Damon Wayans Jr. Um, so yeah, the hosting stinks. It's like that you, you do less time, you come out to a cold crowd, you have to keep going back on stage. Hosting sucks uh, as a job. But I got to go to Lincoln City, Oregon and got paid pretty good money, uh, especially for hosting. And we got this like a hotel that's got a water view. It was like really, it was a really fun trip. I took my wife. Um, next time I go, if I get to do this gig again, I will 
for sure take my daughter, but we took my daughter to my in-laws. Um, but the trip, so I, if, uh, if you're a, if you're a frequent listener to this podcast, you know that I, that I had, um, some potential to do a guest spot at Portland Helium and I did not end up doing that. So I left my house about a half hour before I normally would expect to be able to leave because there, I hadn't heard for back from the club and I had heard, I hadn't heard uh, anything more from the headliner Joe List. Still my favorite comic, but I got we drove. I drove all the way to Portland just on the hopes that we would be able to that I would be able to do a guest spot there because it's important. Like I want to I want to work that club. Did end up getting to do the guest spot, but on, in the process of driving there, Washington State's going through this thing called like an I think it's called an atmospheric river. Like we're all pretending like we heard that term more than this week ago, and it's causing just an insane amount of rain. So I'm driving it's you're going 70 miles an hour and you just hit like a, like a one foot deep puddle and you're hydroplaning the co- I had a car next to me on one of these puddles. that just like shut off in the middle of the puddle. And I was worried. I've had that happen to me before. I was worried that it was going to happen to me, but I, <clears throat> we made it all the way to Portland. It was dark. It was just pouring rain at points. It was raining so hard that it was like my wipers at full blast are just like not keeping up. That's the deal between that. And like, if a semi drives by or any other car is like the right distance ahead and the mist coming off of their tires and you're just fucked. It's just, it sucked. The whole drive sucked. And then to, to have at the end of that drive be like, well, not only do I not get to do, I don't, I don't, well, no, I don't, I showed up on time. I don't get to do the guest spot, but then we did, uh, we did have, there's a place in Portland, Oregon. If you're, if you're in the area called poor K no, it is a taco place. It's fantastic. I fully recommend it. The guacamole might be the best guacamole I've had in my life. Um, so then we make the rest of the trip, which is through like the kind of, I don't know if they're mountains technically, but like through some highlands in, uh, in Western Oregon, McMinnville and some pretty rural country in the dark, pouring rain, single lane highways. It's like if somebody's coming and they have their lights on, you can barely see the lines. It's just a fucking disaster. And uh, we finally, the the itinerary for the show says, uh, show is at, or the you get the hotel for three nights, which is nice. That's not very common. That's another reason why it was potentially convenient to go to the try to do this guest spot. You get the hotel for three nights. If you're going to show up, try to show up before 11. If you don't show up before 11, ask security. They'll figure out how to get you into their room. So we show up. It's 1045. The itinerary says hotel is on site. We um, we go to what I thought it was on site, the casino, where the show's going to be. Turns out not where the hotel is. So they, this is, it's, this is at like 1045. I talked to a security guard. He says, Oh no, the hotel's right down the street. So we, we, um, take all of our shit out of our, uh, car. We had taken all of our shit out of our car. We now load it back into the car and go back to, or we go to this, uh, this hotel and we get over, I called him. I was like, Hey, um, I know it's not after 11, 
All right, I know it's not quite after 11 yet. I'm about to get back to my car and go to the hotel. Will I be okay? Is there going to be somebody there to greet me when I get there? And the guy's like, absolutely, you'll be fine. And um, I'm giving him a lot of credit on his demeanor, by the way. And we get all the shit in the car, back in the car. I drive over there. I go into what I think is the hotel lobby. And maybe it still is. I honestly don't even know. Nobody's there. Nobody's there. There's nobody to call. There's nobody there. So I call the same guy back and I go, Hey man, I, I'm at this building. Uh, I thought that this was where I was. I thought I was going to, uh, you know, I thought you said I was going to be okay. And he's like, well, I thought that you were going to be there sooner. And I'm like, well, I'm here now and I'm fucked. And he's like, I can't help you. So now I'm five hours away from home. I've driven five hours away from home. And this guy is literally saying, I can't help you. Like, I can't help you at all. That's it. End of conversation. I can't help you. And then my wife jumped on the phone. And uh, one problem with that, and it, everything went fine. The end of this is everything's fine. But my wife is not viewing, my wife is viewing this as a vacation, not as like room and board for employment. And so she got a little more, <laughs> a little more harsh with the dude. I think. She was like, you need to call security. Like, we're fucked. We're, we're going to, what, we're going to, you're going to, you're telling us we need to sleep in our car when we have a hotel room that's, you know, reserved for us, blah, 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 blah. He, you know, I can't help you anymore, blah, 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 blah. He just like won't, refuses to, to assist anymore. And I don't mean refuses like in some uh, stupid guy reductive language. Like he literally goes, I cannot and will not help you anymore. My wife's like, will you please call the casino? And he goes, I will not call the casino. So we call the casino. They let us know that they're going to put the tickets. This is, so by the way, this is like, we left our house at 4.30 PM. We get into our hotel room at 12.30 PM. This became between eating in Portland and all this fiasco from 1045 to 1230 is this super stressful trying to figure out if we're going to have to, do we have to get another hotel so that we don't have to, I'm, we're not sleeping in my, I'm fucking 35 years old, married with a kid. I'm not, I'm not sleeping in my car. My wife and I aren't sleeping in my car. Okay. We would have gotten another hotel room, but is that what's going to happen? Or are we going to get into this fucking place where we're supposed to have a room? Finally, they have our, our, uh, our keys at the front desk at the casino at all. Ends up working out with uh, some stress and sweat, and it's, it's still dumping rain. We still have nowhere to be that's dry but my car, basically, or in the casino. But I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to get my laptop stolen in in fucking Lincoln City. So, um, anyway, that's the that's basically the end of that. I had a lot of fun. In Lincoln City, I met a couple guys. Uh, Ernie, uh, I said his name wrong because it was spelled wrong on the poster, but um, Ernie Sosi is a comic who I really enjoyed talking to him. He's a 20-year comic who has primarily performed on um, Indian reservations in his career, and he's trying to branch out into like mainstream comedy. And it was really cool to talk to him also because I grew up on, uh, I said this on the last episode, but I grew up on an Indian reservation. My wife grew up on an Indian reservation. I think that the reservations work a little bit differently here because um, I was able to, like, my parents owned a house on a reservation. So uh, I think there was some, I was talking to, so Mark Yaffe was the other comic. Both 
Ernie and Mark are Native American. And uh, I think there's some, like, sovereignty clause type of thing that um, the tribe can technically buy the property back at, like, at, like full value or whatever. And so, uh, yeah, it was really fun. It was really fun. Really fun, guys. Really fun to fun to perform with. Um, maybe in a, in different circumstances, I would have, you know, we would have had a little more wild time together, but my wife came to the first show and they should, they started at nine 30, which I thought I was going to hate by the way. And I know that my wife hated it because she, uh, she barely made it through the first show awake because, um, she's like an eight 30, she goes to bed at eight 30. And for me, like still starting the first show of the night at nine 30 is, is not, it's no cakewalk, but, um, I'm a little more used to it. I'm up late more often. I'm up late more often, period, let alone because I do stand up, but I'm also just like right now it's nine 40. I just, my wife is asleep right now. She just fell asleep and I restlessly got out of bed and came up to record this podcast because I couldn't wait one goddamn second longer than I, than I had to, to tell you about this, um, about this hotel experience. All right, I saw, uh, we can move on from, from that. I saw this lady on Twitter. Um, she posted a tweet. Let's find this tweet. I'm not going to say her name. If you want to track it down, you're welcome to. But, I mean, she, it got, like, a decent amount of traction, I think. But let's see if I can find it because I think it's, like, a perfect example of kind of, like, some of the problems that we have that we don't even realize Oh man, did I did I not save it? Did I not? Save, I do have a Rachel Dolezal turned forty four. Uh, I saw her. I didn't. I was not the one who uh, who. Um, <laughs> I was not the one who uh, liked it or who follows her. But she did turn forty four. Man, I, I wish I could find it. I can't find this. I forgot to save the the tweet. So it's this woman who basically says like um like no self-respecting socialist would value gun possession something like that. And then another person responded like well if you think that if you think that's what socialism is you've obviously never read like Karl Marx. And then this woman responded I don't need to read I don't have time to read irrelevant old texts. Uh, texts not being text messages, of course, being books. And then I, I like went on a small, a, a, not a deep dive, a shallow dive on this woman. I just wanted to see what's, what's going on in this woman's life. And, uh, so first off the responses to this were pretty obvious. Like, I mean, it's a little silly. It's a little silly. It's a little stupid in the same, but I, I have some empathy because I was like, uh, I said this on a podcast before I was like a high school libertarian and libertarians take a lot of shit in my area. I still actually appreciate and identify with some of the like kind of core libertarian beliefs. I'm certainly more, um, I'm more in favor of like a, like a social safety net than I was when I was 19 and stupid and couldn't imagine people uh, not taking advantage of the opportunities that life can present some people and not others. I, the not others part is the part that I was missing. 
Um, so I have some empathy for her, but like the obvious thing I think is that you don't change entire systems of government peacefully. Like, I think we can pretty much all agree on that, right? Like nobody, you don't, I mean, maybe through long-term democracy you do, but so this lady is a socialist. So the way you do it is, and I'm not encouraging anyone, I'm not a socialist by any means, but the way that you do it is by force or threat or threat of force. No matter how you feel about gun control, which, and I'll, I guess I'll, I'll throw my opinion out there, I'm in favor of increased um, kind of gun control uniformity and increased gun control. I'm in favor of some sort of background check and and kind of this the like gun show loophole going away but i'm not in favor of abolition of guns um and i own a couple guns i i would not even say i own them for self-defense they are in a safe uh to which i don't even have the key i'm not even sure where the key is i have it somewhere but it's not like i mean please don't use this opportunity to rob me but i have a i have a safe I have a, I also have a baseball bat by the door. Um, I use, I have multiple baseball bats around my, uh, house and my garage just in case I did. I did. I will say this. We had, uh, we have a, we have a surveillance camera in our garage and it will occasionally get like a motion alert and I can't load the picture. Like I can't load the video right away. And 100% of the time so far, it has been a fucking moth. It is a moth. But when you hear a loud noise or you get this motion alert, which I've never had in conjunction, I've never had someone actually in the garage, but you go back and you're like, what do I have? And I have a butcher knife. I have like a true, like you're trying to break down 20, like 100 chickens a day in the back of a, of a grocery store deli or whatever, grocery store butcher shop, and I have one of those. So I will walk out with that in that circumstance. That's as, that's as gnarly as I go personally. But I empathize with, with gun owners. I am a gun owner. I'm responsible in that I don't have, like, ammo and guns together. I don't, you know, irresponsibly use these guns. I would say there'd be some some people who might contest that having a gun safe that you don't know where the key is is on the other side of the irresponsible spectrum. I'm not going to disagree with those people, but oh man, it's windy outside right now, and it reminds me of um, in uh, in Lincoln City. My wife and I showed up. We showed up so late that when we got there, the uh, Oh, why is my hold on my my computer's not charging and this could eventually present a problem. Let's get you let's get you charging, Mr. Computer. Just gendered my own computer. What am I doing? Hang on. Maybe maybe we got like a fuse out. Let's see. Let's see if I shove this thing into the wall what it does oh here we go that might be the problem i bet that is the problem are we on now are we on now we are not on now 
What is going on? Oh, because I... This has got to be exciting to listen to as a podcast. All right, we're charging, baby. We're charging. We're back. We're back. Oh, my God. What a what a waste of your time. What a bad podcast host. Why do you listen to this podcast? Uh, we showed up. We showed up at the casino, and the casino's like this big compound. And then we get into the into the room, and it's so dark, and I just keep hearing this noise. And I'm like, are we – does the entertainment get a room that's, like, right next to, like, the fucking – the water treatment center, like it's loud, it didn't stink, but like, is it loud? Is that, what is this fucking noise outside of our hotel room? And I open it up and it's too dark to see what the noise is. I'm like, it's so loud. I mean, it, it'll be fine. Like we're, you know, we sleep with the white noise machine. So the noise was white noise-esque. I wake up in the morning. It's the ocean. It's just crashing waves in the ocean. It's just maybe the most uh, beautiful and vast and amazing thing in the world. It's just the ocean. So anyway, uh, this lady responds, another person responds to her. Um, by the way, this is a young white woman, which will become relevant shortly. They respond, uh, they responded to her. If you don't think Karl Marx is relevant, um, and he recommended a book by Huey P. Newton and she goes, Oh yeah, I'll check out the Huey P. Newton book. Cause he's actually relevant, which of course, any socialist pretty much again, I'm not one, but Karl Marx is going to be relevant to should be relevant to just about every socialist. But also what I realized is that I go to this lady's page and she is, She's doing like uh what's that called like African American vernacular English. Um we used to have a different word for it that rhymes with a much worse word and I'm always scared to say it so I'm not going to say it. But she's doing like she's finding these like like a singer and she's like like yes queen, yes queen, which by the way, have we reached a point where it's just fucking embarrassing for white women to be calling black women queen like without any without any like uh acknowledgement that they're borrowing a phrase from a from a different culture that is i believe that is called being a culture vulture so that's and what i realized is as i go i'm going through this woman's timeline who doesn't know who i am and she's never going to hear this and i didn't even give who she is because i can't find it because i didn't say the thing but what i realized is is the only reason she values Huey P. Newton, having not read either Karl Marx or Huey P. Newton, is just because Huey P. Newton is black. And that, to me, is the shit that we are dealing with where it's like, oh, you, you're a white lady. You get that you're like, you're also part, you're trying to like, it's like, um, she's trying to sneak in under the garage door, you know what I mean? Of like, not, she doesn't, ha like, it's just, it's so... It not only sneak in under the garage door, but also adopt this like kind of cultural speak that is not her culture and uh, almost certainly not the culture that she grew up in based on the rest of the uh, accoutrements she had on social media. But these are the same women who, yeah, of course, there's like in this conversation about socialism she's if a white person responds with something it's because they are white that they disagree with her it can't possibly because she's undereducated on this topic it's very annoying all right finally let's get to 
the brewing comedy drama, which is uh, Tim Dillon, stand-up comedian and podcaster. He made fun of Saturday Night Live. And Michael Che, fellow comedian, got angry about it. And they had like a back and forth on on Twitter and, and Instagram. It's, it's funny because from my, Michael Che doesn't have Twitter. So he's just using his like Instagram stories to respond. And then Tim Dillon is tweeting about it. So they're actually like sub posting each other on different social media platforms. But obviously they're both seeing each other's posts. It's pretty funny. Um, and I, I've said on this podcast that I think that Michael Che might be the funniest comedian working. He has a special coming out. Uh, it came out today, by the way, if you're listening to this, the day it came out, actually. So I think he's amazing. Tim Dillon, uh, they, Tim Dillon made a point that, I mean, let me just read it. I could just read it. Why would I, why, why am I summarizing when I can read the, the written word of two artists? So this is how it started out is, uh, uh, let's go find it. There was a Joe Rogan sketch. Oh fuck. I knew I wanted audio for something. The sketch is so bad. It's Pete Davidson as Joe Rogan going to cruise street, which appears to, yeah, it's just, it's so fucking bad. And, uh, anyways, Tim Dillon said there were a hundred ways to do this sketch and have it be funny. The show now is just lazy, mediocre hacks. Uh, people saying SNL hasn't been funny since the seventies are wrong. Farley, Rock, Sandler, Myers, Norm, Sherry O'Terry, and Molly Shannon were brilliant. Tracy Morgan, also the ha- the Hater McKinnon era was funny. It's maybe the single greatest U.S. comedy platform, but this sketch was bad. And then Michael Che responded. He said, uh, "On his, uh, let's just find it. Let's just read it." Because it's going to be gone in a couple days, so why don't we just read it? He says, uh, he he posts a screenshot of those two tweets. Oh, and he said, uh, and I'm not, it's not bad because they made fun of Joe or Ivermectin, but, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm going to lose this. I'm going to just read it. Son of a bitch. I suck at this. LOL, you got to be kidding me. Tim Dillon, what's the world coming to? Next one says, Tim Dillon? Next one says, Tim fucking Dillon? And then it said, look, I don't want no trouble. Uh, and then someone pointed out to him that Tim Dillon makes $190,000 a month on Patreon. And Michael Chase said, I don't care if it's a zillion. I know Tim Dillon. He ain't what you think he is. He's a sweet, humble guy who really tried at stand-up, got nowhere, became a media personality because it's much easier. And we're all happy for him. But don't get fresh, Tim. And then uh, another person pointed out that he's selling out theater- theaters. Chase said... And we're all very proud of him. And you know I don't want no trouble. But in the words of the prodigy, and then he played a uh, played some uh, music. And then Tim Dillon responded, uh, "Here's the reality: I sell more tickets than Michael Che ever has. I don't think he's allowed to use this website for his job. This website being Twitter." And then he said, uh, "And I've built something on my own that he could never do. Che has done well for a drunk who can barely read, <laughs> but his show sucks, and he knows it." Che responds, all fair points, and I'm very proud of Tim. I don't want no trouble. And then he said, seriously, folks, what's this world coming to? 
There's so many crazy white guys of a certain or so, sorry, I added crazy. There's so many white guys of a certain size in my DMs right now. LOL, the last time I saw Tim Dillon was about three years ago, and he was so nice and complimentary. And I told him I was very proud of him, and I still am. I'm not going to say nothing to Tim that I wouldn't tell him in person. He's a sweet guy. Ask anyone that knows him. And then he put on the uh, Goodfellas shine box scene. <laughs> <laughs> and then a person respond i don't i don't need to get into that part um and then yeah there's been a lot more stuff that's ensued so what i've realized the thing that that tim Dillon said about how michael che knows the show sucks and uh that he sells more tickets than him i don't know what is what let's see if i can find this actually what does michael che make michael che annual salary because I, the the thing that's that's interesting to me is nobody actually said Michael Chase sucks. Nobody said that at all. In fact, I bet you Tim Dillon thinks Michael Chase is great. In fact, I think that's why he he brings him up. So this is the celebworth.net, believe what you'd like out of that has uh, Michael Chase's salary at $673,000 per year. Another place has it at 315000 It looks like another place has it at three. So whatever. But somewhere between three hundred and $700,000, let us say, which is still less than what Tim Dillon's making on Patreon. But without the freedom, of course. Like not only is he making less money, but he's also kind of – he's handcuffed by the fact that he's on Saturday Night Live and he can't necessarily make – all of the comedy that he wants to make. And I think that everybody would agree, or many people, there's some people that are now like these dissenting voices trying to pretend like the same thing they did when Louie got in trouble where they're like, Louie was never funny. He was never funny. They're doing the same thing with Michael Che, but from the opposite side, like the pro comedian side, which is very funny. But uh, Michael Che was like a fucking a prodigy. He was a prodigy. He was like very young. I think he became... I remember he was supposed to do um, a show at a comedy club, and I was like, had it marked on my calendar. And then he got The Daily Show and had to cancel that gig. And then he had to cancel The Daily Show to go do Weekend Update on SNL. And now he's one of the like co head writer or whatever. And he's incredibly funny. I think he's very funny. He's so talented. But I have to wonder as a comedy fan, as a viewer, I have a similar feeling about Michael Che as I have about another comedian that's going to be um, maybe an obscure analogy, but I have to wonder how much of like Michael Che's best work. There's a, there's a thing that I think Jerry Seinfeld said that's like you can make two and a half hours of great material in your life. And if that's true, the question is how much of Michael Che's two and a half hours of good material of great material has been devoted to SNL. And, and then how much of it has been fucked up by somebody who has not, doesn't have the charisma required to use that line. I'm excited to see a special on Tuesday. I will watch a special. I think he's amazing, but I, I also think, and the guy that I would compare him to is Tommy Jonigan, who was like one of my first favorite comedians. I absolutely love Tommy Jonigan. I think he's incredibly talented. One of the best comedians I've ever seen. He's a he's a favorite among comics. And you go out and check his he has uh three albums out. Go check those out. They're all fucking great. 
Go check those out. They're so good. Incredible joke writing. So relatable. So funny. So original. There's lines of Tommy Jonigans that my wife and I still say to each other, even though we probably haven't seen him perform in like six or seven years. And Tommy Jonigan got married, had two kids, got a writing job, and now he's doing fucking great financially. And it's, I think it's the best thing for his family probably is to be a writer in Hollywood. And I respect that. Like, I get that. As a family guy, like, I would, you know, I don't know. I like stand-up. I like performing. It's hard to... I've never worked in a writer's room. Maybe I could scratch most of that itch in a writer's room. Maybe. But that's the comparison I would make. Is like, I think that we might have lost, like, a great special from Michael Che or maybe a couple great specials. Maybe we will lose a couple great specials from Michael Che. I think he's incredibly funny. I think he's so talented. And uh, Tim, so that's what I'm saying is Tim Dillon, I think is right. Is Tim Dillon a great standup? I don't know. I've actually never seen like an extended set of his, except for that. There was a Netflix show where there was some comedians on there that I really liked and none of them did I think have like incredible sets. So I think it's, it was a production, maybe an editing issue and not those specific comedians. It was like, it was called like the standups. No, it wasn't the standups. It was like the 15. Is that what it was called? Let's see. Tim Dylan Netflix. What was it called? The comedy lineup. So I do think it was cool that, um, they were doing 15 minute sets and I'm obviously, I'm going to try to release about 22, 23 minutes of material at the beginning of uh, 2022. So please subscribe to my YouTube if you don't already, because I'd like to um, I'd like to get some people watching that fucking thing. So please check that out. By the way, so yeah, I think I think that this is like what's funny to me is like I think these are two guys. At least I suspect that Tim Dillon has a ton of respect for Michael Che, and also like. Obviously, Michael Che was pretty... I haven't watched SNL. I mean, Weekend Update, I've seen like the controversial Michael Che jokes. And they've all been funny to me. And I'm sure that part's great. Weekend Update is the only thing that's been worth watching to me on SNL, maybe consistently throughout the entire history of the show. And, uh, but, you know, these comedians shouldn't be fighting each other, I think is ultimately the point. I almost wish that Michael Che would get fired. I think it would be great for him if he got fired because all of a sudden now we'd have to go back to being a great fucking stand-up and we'd get to see you know maybe either his development or um that he's already become a great stand-up kind of behind closed doors at uh, saturday night live we'll get to see on tuesday we'll get to see today if you're listening to this and that's pretty exciting uh i liked his last special i'm excited to see what his second special has an order. He's taken... Well, let's see. When was his last one? What was it called again? Um, Michael Che. Che special. The problem is it's going to bring up his upcoming special. So the last one was called... Looks like... Oh my fucking god. What a bad. 
Come on. Come on. So he was on the half hour. God, and just like so new. That's the thing is he just was so new. Michael Che Matters. That's what it was called. And then I watched uh, that damn Michael Che and I thought that was really good. The opening sketch, by the way, of that damn Michael Che feels like Michael Che ran into the lady that I was talking about with the socialism. It's so uh, it's so goddamn funny. It's so amazing. It's a good show, but that's opening sketch is like an all-time classic. And then whatever this one's called, like uh, Shame on You, the Devil. I'm going to watch it. I don't know. Go see, go, uh, go be, let me be the one to tell you to go watch, uh, to go listen to Tommy John again and m- watch Michael Che and, uh, presumably Tim Dillon is good. I haven't consumed it, but I know people love him and he's, I think he's good for comedy. I think that's true. All right. I have a small buzz going. These 19.2 ounce cans. Let me tell you, um, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please follow me at the Casey McLean. Uh, airport tavern. I'll be at Tacoma comedy club this weekend, uh, next weekend, Spokane comedy club with JP Sears. Uh, I think November or December 17th, I will be, um, doing some guest spots with Gabriel Rutledge at laughs comedy club and also some stuff in Bremerton at the, I think historic Roxy theater, and then Fort Wayne, Indiana, boy, the fucking flights are getting expensive for that. By the way, I made the huge mistake of, um, they were like 600 bucks and I was like, God, that seems expensive. I'll let, I'll just wait it out. And now they're up to $900 and I'm like, fuck, I waited too long. And now I'm, uh, I'm trying to figure out a different way, but it seems like I'm just going to have to bite the bullet and buy a really fucking expensive flight. All right. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I've, uh, I, I really enjoy doing it. I, and people are starting to listen. It's starting to catch on a little bit. So share it with a friend. Share it with a loved one. Share it with a coworker. Maybe you hate it. Hate, listen. I don't care. The ad revenue spends the same. All right. I'll talk to you soon.